Talk Radio. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Childhoods gone wrong because of terror. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carroll a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Yes, childhoods, that's a plural, gone wrong because of terror. I mean, in a general sense, you know, all the children around the world, their childhoods have gone wrong uh, because of the threat of terror, whether they are in a place that has already been hit by a terror attack or whether they're in a place that hasn't been specifically attacked, but they hear about terror attacks almost every day on the television or the telly in uh, the UK <laughs> or, um, in, or in other countries where, you know, it's all over television, it's all over the internet. These kids are not being protected from the threat. And um, the key to the first story I'm gonna tell you about today is um, how we are vastly underestimating how much attention children are paying to terrorism. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about three different ways that childhoods have gone wrong because of terror. And also, these stories come from three different locations um, where there are specific troublings, troubles for children. I mean, aside from what I've just been talking about, the general problem uh, that terrorism poses for all the children of the world. So let me talk to you first about a study that was just done in the UK that asked what are children worried about? Now they found that children were worried about homelessness and poverty about 50% of them were worried about that. That was their top worry. But then right underneath that was terrorism at 49%. And then they were also worried about inequality such as sexism and racism at 41%. You know, a lot of times people, adults just don't, um, well, it's partly because we don't want to believe it. We don't want to think that children are being are worrying about these things and are being harmed by this worry. But um, so it's important to have studies like this that actually put some figures on it. They also found in this study that children were very worried about Brexit and violent crime. So imagine this: fifty percent of children worried about homelessness and poverty. 49% worried about terrorism. I can assure you that, that those are higher numbers, or particularly in regard to terrorism, that's a higher number than most people would have guessed. So why, what is gonna be done about this? Well, first of all, this study was done by YouGov on behalf of an organization called Action for Children. They studied 5,000 children um, in this study. <laughs> and they uh, also studied adults. Uh, they found that in their study of 
mixed study of children and adults, they found that 62% um, of grandparents thought that childhood was getting worse. 60% of parents thought that childhood was getting worse. And 34% of children thought that childhood was getting worse. Now, of course, <laughs> children, you know, <laughs> children weren't around. Um, there's only a lump, there are only a number of limited number of years that children were around, but still, this is their perception in terms of it getting worse. Um, then the, this organization, uh, Action for Children, has, um, the, they are trying to, they're using these statistics to say that um, something needs to be done and that the government um, has to do it and has to fund these um, strategies for children. In fact, um, that is what they are calling this. They, they want them to, uh, to, to fund something that they're calling the National Childhood Strategy. And the uh, CEO of Action for Children said um, that she, well, the purpose of their organization, they want to see safe, happy children. And she says she wrote, um, the country is sleepwalking into a crisis in childhood. Um, and far from being carefree, our children are buckling under the weight of unprecedented social pressures, global turmoil, and a void in government policy, which should keep them well and safe. So, um, so it's there. She's all about, you know, and now she has this fuel, this these statistics, which I'm sure shocked a lot of people, um, to try to get the government in the UK to do something more to keep kids safe and happy. Now, interestingly, I wrote, I, I read a lot about um, about the organization. And um, I, I was kind of, uh, what I found interesting was that a lot of her same uh, goals were similar and, and her, and these findings about how childhood has gotten worse, uh, and I'm sure you would agree with that too, um, it actually reminded me of what I wrote in my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. The beginning of my book, the first chapter is Age of Innocence. I'm going to read you just a little bit of it. Underneath our super cool adult appearance beats the heart of a child. Though society calls on us to be mature, especially now, in our heart of hearts, we secretly still want to believe that our wishes will come true when we blow out our birthday candles and that we will live happily ever after as the fairy tales promised. Even though we may be wonderful mothers or fathers, underneath we're nostalgic for our own childhood days when we had parents who were responsible for taking care of us and keeping us safe. Suddenly, the innocent child in us has come face to face with unin <coughs> uninvited evil as our world is shattered by terrorist attacks. Whatever our chronological age, our age of innocence has ended. If we feel robbed of our wishes and fairy tales, imagine how our children must feel. It's a hard time to be a parent and a hard time to be a kid. Besides having to feed, clothe, shelter, and hug your children, you have to protect them from bullies, drugs, alcohol, 
shootings, pedophiles, gangs, copycat suicide, and now terrorism. What's happening in the world today can leave indelible impressions upon our little ones. To be sure, even before 9-11, the age of innocence was already beginning to be soiled and shortened. Now terrorism looms overhead, like black clouds out of place in children's crayon drawings. Raising happy, healthy children during these tumultuous times has suddenly become even more of a challenge, but not an impossibility. In fact, as you will read, our need to protect our children from terrorism may bring us unexpected rewards. When we commit ourselves to building stronger nests to keep our chicks safe, we build more loving families in the process. The magic years of childhood have long been under siege. Our grandparents or great-grandparents may have complained or boasted about having to trek long distances to school in the snow with holes in their shoes or having to work long hours in factories or selling newspapers. But later generations have been struggling with more psychological pressures than physical ones. Indeed, the sunny days of childhood were already troubled before the wave of terrorist attacks and the reasons for the troubles haven't disappeared. And then I go on, our children still face familiar fears uh, from the photos of missing children on flyers and freeway signs to the photos of murdered children on the news at dinner, kids are already too aware of being counted upon to be self-reliant when what they want is reassurance that they will be taken care of by their family. But gone are the TV-perfect families where the father is the breadwinner and knows best, the mom stays home baking cookies, and children get into harmless mischief that ends with laughter and hugs. Children called upon at ever younger ages to take care of themselves and often their siblings lack the practical and psychological resources to do so. The more chaotic the home environment, the less safe a child feels. Whatever problems exist in a family, marital conflicts, illness, financial hardship, addiction, and so on, the child often feels as though it is his fault. Youngsters feel pressured to live up to their parents' expectations, and so on. So the, the point is that not only, you know, have, um, has childhood lost, has the, lost its bloom um, before 9-11 and before the continuing threat of terrorism, but now they also have to worry about that. And in fact, as I was just describing in this study in the UK, 49% of them actually do acknowledge worrying about terrorism. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk more about um, childhoods gone wrong because of terrorism, and we're going to move to another locale. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. <laughs> This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about childhoods gone wrong because of terror. I just talked to you about a study in the UK. Now we're going to move to Toronto, Canada. Now this is uh, looking at uh, childhoods gone wrong of children who are a little older 
um, who are involved in this, but they are, they are children nonetheless. This is about um, kind of a, a shocking, well, it's all shocking. This, these statistics were shocking, and now, uh, now hear this. Um, a Toronto church was going to host an event honoring a terrorist. Yes, a church in Canada honoring a terrorist. Canada has had its own problems, as you presumably know, with terrorism. So it is particularly um, shocking that um, a church would do this. Now, besides being about childhoods gone wrong, what I'm, this story that I'm going to tell you about, uh, it is also a positive story in the sense that uh, there is, it shows that you can have power over terrorism, that, um, that in fact, this event ultimately ended up being canceled because of a group that um, set up, wrote a letter to the church and uh, set up a petition so that people would sign if they did not think that it was right for the church to hold uh, an event honoring a terrorist. And presumably there were enough people who signed for the church to cancel the event. So what this tells you is that you don't have to wait for authorities, so-called authorities, to do things. <clears throat> you know, it's not just about the military in the Middle East, which, of course, we all appreciate. Um, they're at the front lines, literally. Um, but it also, don't sit there at home and think, well, terrorism is bad, but what can I do about it? Instead, this shows the power of the individual. Okay? So here's the story. Um, first of all, the ad for this event uh, showed, a, you know, before they canceled it, they were putting out ads uh, to get people to come to the event. And the ad was a sign that said, 2018 Ghassan Kanafani Writing Scholarship. And those words were on a sign which was over a face of a terrorist. And that was over a church, the church, presumably, where this was going to happen. Um, this, it was for the, um, the, the launch of the Ghassan Kanafani Resistance Arts Scholarship. Now, this is a scholarship that honors um, people in the creative arts and writing. It's given to three Palestinian youth. And it is also to uphold the legacy of Ghassan Kanafani. Now, I'll tell you about him, and you can decide whether you think his legacy should be upheld. Um, the, this uh, Toronto church was hosting the event that was, was going to host the event that was being put on by the Palestinian Youth Movement, the PYM. And this movement um, honors terrorists. And the church was Trinity St. Paul's United Church. And they said, you know, they tried to claim at first before they canceled it, they tried to say that they were just providing a space for the launch of this um, scholarship uh, for the Palestinian youth movement. You know, they, that was how they were trying to wiggle out of it. Now, Kanafani is or was a spokesman for the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, the PFLP. Um, at the time, 
that this group claimed responsibility for the massacre of Lod Airport, um, which is now Ben-Gurion Airport. Lod, 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 I'm not sure about that. In any case, it's now called Ben-Gurion Airport. Um, this was in Israel. And um, 26, during this massacre, 26 people were killed, including one Canadian, ironically enough. So this church was going to let this group, um, named after this man who was the spokesperson for this popular front for the liberation of Palestine, who perpetrated this attack on the airport in Israel, that killed 26 people, including one Canadian. I mean, hello? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think part of the problem in the world today is that enough people do not know history. I mean, this happened in 1972, so perhaps the people in the church didn't remember that or didn't know that. Um, somebody could have reminded them, however, um, especially if they would have looked at the literature or the Facebook uh, page of this Palestinian youth movement. In any case, um, this attack on the airport in Israel also killed 17 Christians from Puerto Rico uh, amongst these 26 people who were killed, and they injured 80 people in this attack. Now, this, uh, the event at the church was supposed to be a showcase of the winners of the Ghassan Kanafani Resistance Arts Scholarship. Um, one year ago, this Palestinian youth movement who wanted to put on this event um, praised Mohammed Tariq, a 17-year-old Palestinian terrorist who stabbed three Israelis in July 2018. And they put a post on Facebook that said, now this is a group who told the church, by the way, that they don't endorse or condone violence. Okay. Meanwhile, if the church would have looked at their Facebook page, they would have seen that that wasn't true. So Mohammed Tariq, um, 17-year-old Palestinian terrorist who stabbed three Israelis in July 2018. And on Facebook, this uh, Palestinian youth movement wrote, Today, the young martyr, Mohammed Tariq, carried out an attack against three settlers in the Jewish settlement, Adam, or Adam, and was subsequently shot and killed. We recognize that our youth are forced, forced, into becoming heroes, heroes, you know, murderers, they're calling heroes, because of the conditions in which, the in which they live, and that the people of Palestine will continue to resist until our land and our people are liberated from the river to the sea, unquote. That's what they wrote on Facebook. Now, they also had on Facebook a posting of Mohammed Tariq's last words before he was killed after... Um, he perpetrated this attack. Um, so Tariq's last words were, you who possess arms and bullets, remember that there is an enemy so that you may put your bullets in their bodies, not the bodies of your own people. This, was, these, this is amongst his parting words. Now, it was B'nai B'rith, um, the Jewish organization, B'nai B'rith, who um, saw this and this planned event and who started this petition. And they um, wrote a letter to the church which, and, and sent them the petition. 
And um, in their letter they wrote, we will not tolerate the open glorification of terrorism and murderers participating in a place of worship, particularly in a place of worship. Churches should be places of peace, not places where violence and or terrorism are glorified. So now, um, so they sent this letter that was part of their letter and they sent it along with the petition. And um, after Trinity St. Paul's originally claimed that the uh, organizers of the event said that it, they didn't promote or condone violence, <laughs> um, they then canceled the event. So what does that prove? It proves that um, you, you know, the individuals can in fact make statements and prevent things that glorify terrorism. Um, and so it shows that you need to be thinking about and look, be, be on the lookout for and events or things that um, glorify terrorism and um, realize that, you know, this was, okay, this was Brene Brith. This is a, a well-respected and long, you know, it's been around for forever. Um, and, uh, but, you know, that's made up of individuals and individuals signed the petition. I'm sure it was not just people in Brene Brith who signed the petition or they probably wouldn't have canceled it. But not only did, see another thing, um, not only was it the number of people who signed the petition, but the fact that the, that there was a petition got a lot of media attention and then the church <laughs> the church realized that the whole world was um seeing that they were having this event so between the numbers who signed and the fact that the media picked up on it that was um important enough to get them to cancel it well okay we'll go on with our uh stories of children um Childhood's gone wrong because of terror in the next uh, segment. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back. Today we're talking about childhoods gone wrong because of terror. I'm talking about three different ways that childhoods have gone wrong in three different locations. We talked about the UK, then we talked about Toronto, and now I'm going to talk about Germany. And of course, this is all on the general um, uh, statement or uh, condition of uh, the fact that all of our children, children around the world, are having childhoods gone wrong because of terror, whether they were in a location that was attacked or whether they have just um, been watching terrorism, news reports about terrorism on television or uh, on the internet or hearing about it on the radio. Um, and as this, uh, the statistics that I read to you about the UK show, and I'm sure that that is not, uh, that is not just uh, in the UK, um, that 49% of the children they surveyed were worried about terrorism. That is, uh, 
you know, in the U.S., that would probably be at least that. Um, so adults really need to start paying attention to the fact that kids know a lot more, listen to a lot more than um, what parents, grandparents, teachers want to believe. Um, okay, so now I'm going to talk to you about Germany, and this is a different way that a childhood, two childhoods, <laughs> two children, well, there's actually, I'm going to talk to you about a third as well, but how two children in particular had their childhood gone wrong because of terror. Um, you'll see in a minute. This is a story about how Germany just convicted the first ISIS bride in a precedent-setting case. Um, I'm sure you are aware of the fact that now that the caliphate has been essentially crumbled in the Middle East, um, people um, are want some people, not, not all, but some of the people who traveled to the Middle East to join ISIS want to go home to their native countries, including ISIS brides. And this has been, um, this is, this has been and is um, gradually becoming more and more of a problem uh, as more people go back to their countries or try to want to go back to their countries. Some countries aren't allowing them to come back. I've talked about an ISIS bride in a previous podcast who wanted to come back to the U.S., but this is all a problem because, um, you know, just because the person is a woman who wants to come back does not mean that she does not still hold a belief about terrorism, you know, wanting to and wants wanting to destroy the West in her heart. So, um, so let me tell you the story, and then I'll talk more about women. An, an unbelievable number of women uh, traveling to the Middle East, becoming seduced over the internet, and um, traveling to become ISIS brides. So, all right, I'm going to talk to you now about the case of Sabine S. They're not uh, releasing her last name or to the media. But Sabine S. has just been convicted and, and received a sentence of five years in jail in Stuttgart. She was found guilty of belonging to a foreign terrorist organization, um, and the prosecutors proved that her life, um, that, that, that she cooperated or that she, um, that her, her joining, belonging to ISIS resulted in um, not just becoming a, an ISIS bride and keeping house for her, for her ISIS fighter, but she did more things than that on behalf of ISIS um, in Syria and Iraq. She was in both of those countries. Now, um, she, her, the prosecutors wanted her to get six years, but the judge lowered her sentence to five years. And he said, he didn't give a great excuse or reason for this, but he said um, that it was because she was being cooperative with them uh, with the investigation, and that during the 10-day trial, she had distanced herself from terrorists. Well, 10 days, 
hello, judge, <laughs> 10 days, um, she can certainly pretend to not be a terrorist anymore, but um, don't know that we should believe her. But at least she got, this is the first ISIS bride who actually has been brought to trial and convicted. So there is, um, there is progress. Um, she, here's the thing that has to do with, um, with children. Sabine S. is 32 years old and she converted to Islam. And when she went to the Middle East, she went to Syria in 2013 and she left two children behind in Germany. Don't know who cared for the children. Uh, perhaps her parents, I don't know, I'm just guessing. I hope, I hope she put somebody in charge of them. Um, but he, she left her two children. I mean, can you imagine, try to imagine, the pull that the ISIS fighter had on her, presumably over the internet, to get her to leave her two children and Germany, her homeland, to go to the Middle East and marry him. Now, you know, did she perhaps, um, I'm assuming that it was over the internet. They didn't really specify. It could have been someone she met in a mosque in Germany um, or just met in Germany, period. I mean, it doesn't, they didn't say where she can or when she converted to Islam. Um, perhaps it was just after she got to the Middle East. I don't know. She, clearly she felt strongly about it before she traveled there. But, um, but you know, the idea of leaving, it is not easy for a mother to um, leave her children. I mean, you know, you've heard all kinds of, it, it, it's not natural. It is natural. It is biological. It is psychological. Then, then it is inborn in a mother to protect her children. And so the idea that she could be um, persuaded, seduced, literally seduced, to come to the Middle East and uh, contribute to terrorist activities in um, Syria and Iraq. Uh, and she didn't leave, she didn't try to leave, you know, while the caliphate was still there. Um, and so she, on the first day that she got there, she married her ISIS fighter, which leads one to believe that he was there to begin with, um, you know, and that she met him over the internet. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the first day that she was there, she married him to hell with her children, right? Um, and when she was there, she ran two propaganda blogs. And the purpose of these blogs were to recruit people to ISIS. So, for example, she would write on her blogs details of executions that were taking place by ISIS, and she warned people um, who were opposed, anybody who would be opposed to ISIS, that they would have the same fate. Now, um, she was also trained on weapons when she went to uh, the Middle East, and um, she was captured by Kurdish forces in September 2017. She was brought to Germany in 2018, where she was arrested in Baden-Baden and since then has been in custody. Now, there are hundreds of women, hundreds of women 
who left Germany to, ma to marry ISIS fighters in the years after the outbreak of civil war in Syria, which was 2011. Hundreds, you know, Germany is, is um, I mean, of course, now that it's overrun by immigrants, it is not super safe, but um, it was in 2011. Um, you know, it, a, a decent country. I've been to Germany um, many times and um, not since, not in very recent years, but in 2011, um, it was still a nice place to live. And the, the, the pull of these ISIS fighters, most of them over the internet, to seduce women to come and marry them by promising them to love them, to have a great life in Syria, in Iraq. Um, you know, it, it is such a strong pull. And most of these women are able to be seduced because they haven't been able to find somebody to love them wherever they live, whether it's Germany or even in the US. In the US, it's especially teenage girls who are being seduced to come to the Middle East. Anyhow, of these hundreds, 50 have returned after the caliphate has fallen. But the prosecutors are having a hard time to um, find grounds to convict them because the high court in Germany said that they're doing just household tasks. In other words, marrying an ISIS fighter and just keeping house is not enough to say that that's supporting ISIS. But this woman who they did convict and gave five years in jail, Sabine S., did more than just keep house for her hubby. <laughs> um, she lived in a series of houses of people who fled ISIS prosecution. And through this occupation, she helped terrorists secure control over the territory that they conquered. So she actually was more active, not, you know, in, in, in these households um, of people who the terrorists conquered. So the prosecutors in Germany are now going to try to use this way of sort of uh, getting the courts to give the ISIS brides jail. Now there's also a trial. I said I was going to tell you about a third child involved in this story. There was also a trial started in Munich, Germany, of a German woman named Jennifer W., who um, worked for ISIL, and on behalf, you know, who came there to um, contribute to terrorist activities. And what she did for ISIS was to participate in the torture of a five-year-old Yazidi girl to death. They tortured this girl to death. At least that's what she is alleged to have done, participating in this torture. So here's another example of childhoods gone wrong because of terror. Clearly, um, clearly this, when you, when you think about children, you know, innocent children coming into the world and having their lives um, kidnapped, essentially, destroyed by terror, it's a very sad story indeed, and one that should spur us all on to try to do more in the war against terror. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. 
If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.